Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Sam Westrop, Director of Islamist Watch, join us to discuss more trouble for Islamic relief. Mr. Westrop will speak for 10 to 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. We'll do our best to get to all questions, but we have many participants on this webinar, so I apologize in advance if we do not get to yours today. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Dan Westrop. Hello. Last month, the uh, Times of London reported that the head of Islamic Relief, a very prominent international charity based in, in the UK, Heshmat Khalifa, had referred to Jews as the, the grandchildren of monkeys and pigs. Uh, he'd made a number of other vile anti-Semitic comments. Um, Islamic Relief, upon the newspaper article being published, fired the, the, the anti-Semitic leader and said, we abhor this kind of hatred, we abhor this kind of bigotry, this will not happen again. But it has happened before. <laughs> uh, just last year, the Middle East Forum caught the head of Islamic Relief USA, Khaled Lamada, uh, expressing similar vile, violent anti-Semitic ideas also another official, a man named Yusuf Abdullah, uh, who had quoted a hadith uh, saying of the Prophet Muhammad about finding Jews wherever they are and killing them. Now, the, our, our reporting of that at the time got some international attention because it just so happened this anti-Semitic Islamic relief official was speaking with Ilan Omar uh, at an Islamic relief event in, in, in Florida. Just like in Britain, Islamic relief uh, got rid of Yusuf Abdullah. They said, we abhor this kind of hatred. We're sending everyone on sensitivity training uh, and this will never happen again. Um, this seems to, this will never happen again and seems to be promised about once a year from Islamic Relief. So is this organization just led by a couple of anti-Semites or is it something more than that? Um, and the Middle East Forum has been looking into Islamic Relief very closely for the last three years. In fact, I, I've been studying Islamic Relief for the last 10 years. Um, and most of the information out there today about Islamic Relief comes from our research. And what we have found is that Islamic Relief is the flagship institution of the global Muslim Brotherhood. It is the flagship institution of Islamism in the West, and it's the primary vehicle for the movement of money, um, uh, ideology, uh, logistical support, uh, and, um, uh, and, and frankly, Islamist ideas around not just the, the Western world, but but the globe as well. Now, a few years ago, we released a report on Islamic Relief, looking extensively into all its aspects, its finances, its ideology, its officials, uh, the, its events that it runs with various clerics and hate preachers around the world. I want to tell you a little bit about Islamic Relief, what it is, why it's so dangerous, and what its relationship has been like with government, why you should be worried, and what you can do to help us uh, raise awareness about this extremely dangerous charity. So, founded in the 1980s, Islamic Relief, uh, founded in, in Britain, in the United Kingdom, was set up by a number of students uh, who had just recently been to Sudan and seen conflict and famine affecting people there. And they said, according to the official narrative, they said, 
this poverty is terrible, we must do something about it. And they raised money from going to local mosques and gradually turned what was just initially a volunteer program into a professional organization. That professional organization over a decade grew and grew. It established offices overseas, it established fundraising and, and uh, offices and, and whole other branches overseas. Today, Islamic Relief is the largest Islamic charity uh, in the world, pretty much. Um, in the US alone, it raises $100 million. Um, its branches, all told, raise uh, near to just over $200 million across the globe. Uh, this is an organization with enormous financial power. Um, its supporters are not just uh, uh, Muslim communities, their governments, the UN, the EU, the Trump administration has given Islamic relief hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, the Obama administration gave them over a million. Islamic relief is the darling of Western charities. Its officials dine with administration figures. They meet with European royalty. Uh, they're praised by prime ministers and presidents around the world. Um, they are a charity. They are enormous. And they do do some of the things they claim to do. They do house the homeless. They do feed the hungry. Uh, they do take care of people in dire need. And this makes one wonder then, well, even if there is this radical background, this radical guiding ideology, does that matter if they're being benevolent, if philanthropy is their uh, main uh, method of work, then really, is there such a problem? And I would say yes, and here's why. As I mentioned, founded in the, in the 1980s, Islamic Relief was founded by students who belonged to the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood. The Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood has, since its very beginning, expanded its reach, expanded its influence by making sure to infiltrate every civil and social institution it could possibly think of. Um, in Egypt, the Muslim Brotherhood didn't just try to take over the mosques, it took over uh, uh, charities, it took over uh, pharmacies, drug dispensaries, it took over uh, uh, youth groups and community centers. The same with Hamas, by the way, which is an arm of the uh, branch of the, of the Muslim Brotherhood. It grew to fame in Gaza because it distributed medicine at, at low cost. Compared to the corrupt PLO, it was seen as the, the pure Islamic alternative. Uh, around the world, Islamists use charity to advance ideology. And it's not even just uh, groups as pernicious and as, as careful as, as the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, even Al-Qaeda in Mali a few years ago, when they took over uh, 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 some towns, set up welfare programs. ISIS had an enormous welfare state in place. Charity and welfare is key to the Islamist, Islamist ideal. It doesn't just offer legitimacy and credibility to Islamism as a political force and as, as a representative voice for Muslims. It also allows them to recruit Muslims. It allows them to fundraise in ways that are not you know, directly tied to violence. Uh, it gives them uh, power and legitimacy in a way that just being a violent opposition group doesn't. Islamic relief, I believe, is a key part of that international Islamist effort to advance Islamist ideology, using charity uh, as, as, as a shield, as, a, uh, as addressing extremists as philanthropists. That's what Islamic relief fundamentally is. And yes, they do real work, they do real charity, but that charity has an underlying agenda, has an ultimate aim. 
uh, and that's the advancement of, 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 of Islamism, not just in the places where Islamic relief operates in the Palestinian territories, across Africa, across the Middle East and South Asia, but also here at, at home in the US, in Europe. The first thing Islamic relief uh, did in the UK when it set up was make sure very quickly that it wasn't seen as just a Muslim charity. From the very beginning, it uh, worked to build political contacts. It worked to uh, 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 partner with other charities, including Jewish and, and Christian charities. Uh, from the very beginning, it has been media savvy and has shown great political know-how. And it has expanded that philosophy to elsewhere. So when it set up a branches in the United States in the 1990s, when it set up branches in Sweden and Italy and France and Spain and Germany and South Africa, all around the world, it used those same methods. It made sure not to be the pantomime villain that uh, we might ascribe to, to some Islamist movements. It, it, it worked very hard to be careful, uh, to maintain a reasonable repu reputation. However, that reasonable reputation was based on the idea that people wouldn't look too closely. And as soon as you do look a little more closely, which the Middle East Forum has done, you start to see what Islamic relief really is. So let me give you a few examples of that. From its very beginning, Islamic relief has had continued ties to terrorism. It does it carefully. Uh, in Yemen, uh, Islamic relief has taken money from groups tied to Al Qaeda leaders. In the Gaza Strip, Islamic Relief funds organizations that are controlled by members of Hamas, the, the designated terrorist organization, um, including one, one example is a group called the Al Falah Benevolent Society. A, a whole variety of Islamic Relief branches, including Islamic Relief Canada, fund the Al Falah Benevolent Society. Uh, this society's officials uh, include senior Hamas members, one of whom runs a Hamas Hebrew language program called Know Thy Enemy. Uh, these groups are intertwined with Hamas infrastructure. They operate by coordinating with Hamas officials. And Islamic Relief can fund them because these groups are not designated themselves. Now, that hasn't stopped um, Western governments from prosecuting charities in the past. In 2008, a very prominent terror finance trial prosecuted a group called the Holy Land Foundation, uh, a huge Islamist charity. They got them partly based on the fact that the Holy Land Foundation was funding proxies for designated terrorist organizations, even though those proxies weren't designated themselves. But Islamic Relief has done exactly the same. And, and for some reason, the same uh, more aggressive approach hasn't been applied to Islamic Relief's activities, perhaps because the political will just isn't there, perhaps for, for other reasons. But Islamic Relief knows how to tread the line and it gets away with it very well. Um, it's not just the Gaza Strip. Even in South Asia, we can see that Islamic Relief works closely with um, officials and, and activists tied to Jamaat Islami, a South Asian Islamist movement connected to decades of violence and acts of mass murder. All across the world, in fact, Islamic Relief is increasingly connected to extremists. In Tunisia, a recent leaked government report alleged that Islamic Relief was funding jihadists on the Libyan border. Um, and across the world, you'll find similar examples. When in uh, when President Morsi, the short-lived Muslim Brotherhood president of Egypt was overthrown, his cabinet were arrested. And one of those arrested was a man called Esam al-Haddad. Now Esam al-Haddad was one of the co-founders of Islamic Relief. He was also the foreign uh, uh, spokesperson, the foreign affairs spokesperson for Mohammed Morsi, the Muslim Brotherhood president. What the Egyptians alleged in their prosecution 
uh, of, of Morsi and his defendants, including al-Haddad, was that al-Haddad had used Islamic relief to fund branches of Islamic relief in Egypt and to use those, those funds to support terrorism. Now, the Egyptians never went into enough detail to, to, to explain their allegations further, um, but there is no doubt that while al-Haddad was working for the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood government, he was also still involved in Islamic relief. Um, uh, that, that, is, that is known, that is, that is proven. Uh, today, Haddad sits rotting in a jail cell. And uh, because the Egyptian government is uh, perhaps not the most reliable source of information, to, perhaps we'll never know the exact details of how Islamic relief was involved with that government. But we do know there was some involvement. And the same is true, as I've said, across the world, where there are Islamists, Islamic relief seems to be present. Um, now, this extremism can also be found here uh, in Europe and in the US as well. Uh, you just have to look at the branches, the events they run, the people they associate with. I've already mentioned the various anti-Semitic trustees and officials of Islamic Relief, but every week in the US, in, in England, in France, in Italy, in Germany, they run events with extreme, extremist clerics, clerics who call for the killing of homosexuals, for the, the killing of Jews, for hatred of women, for hatred of Shia Muslims and other minorities. Uh, Islamic Relief is indelibly tied into every extremist cleric, pretty much, in the Western world. Having said all this, I mentioned at the beginning that Islamic Relief has been careful in its main good political contacts. Despite this extremism, despite the fact that Britain's paper of record just last month uh, found that the head of Islamic Relief's board was making these anti-Semitic comments, Islamic Relief continues to be wined and dined by too many international governments, by, by too many governments, by too many international organizations. Um, Islamic Relief officials continue to meet and be met with um, uh, by members of the Trump administration. I mentioned that taxpayers' money has gone to Islamic Relief. Over the last 10 years, we believe over $70 million of taxpayers' money from Western governments has ended up in the pockets of Islamic Relief and thus ultimately subsidizing terror through their, their fundings of various proxies and extremist groups. Um, and we see that uh, uh, media and Jewish organizations and Christian organizations and interfaith groups are more than happy to portray Islamic Relief as this great benevolent force. Um, Islamic Relief is very good at what it does. And when it is criticized, it acts quickly, it acts swiftly. It's currently suing a number of uh, people in Canada who, uh, partly based on, on Middle East Forum research, criticize Islamic Relief. Um, uh, it's Back in the United Kingdom, I frequently received um, uh, legal threats from Islamic Relief and other people I know have as, as well. This is a group that defends its interests uh, rigorously. The problem is the, the facts are emerging. The truth is, is coming out. There is evidence first uncovered by the Clarion Project, by Ryan Mauro of the Clarion Project, that Islamic Relief uh, it may be under investigation currently by federal officials. Um, in Sweden, the government report openly named it as a Muslim Brotherhood front. In Germany, the federal government and the, and the, the local uh, and a, a local state government has has done the same. In Italy, local officials condemned its partnership with extremist groups, extremist charities. In the UK, the Charity Commission, the government's regulator of charities, has investigated Islamic Relief's partnership with extremist uh, clerics. In Canada, at the moment, there's a great deal of media interest from the right on the fact that um, uh, two of the front runners for the Conservative Party leadership race are involved with, uh, uh, sorry, or have, have appointed staff who are involved with Islamic Relief. So there is a growing understanding 
that Islamic Relief is not a pleasant organization, uh, at the very least, and at best, that Islamic Relief is part of the sinister international Islamist network. And that, that realization will, will continue to grow, but Islamic Relief is fighting tooth and nail to keep its reputation intact. And we can see some effect already. We've seen that over the last five, six years, the amount of funding from European governments to Islamic Relief has decreased a little. Uh, there's, a, there's a clear downward trend in the amount of money it's getting from Western uh, governments. Uh, this is good news. Um, it seems that people are starting to wake up. More than that, Islamic Relief was designated as a terrorist organization by the United Arab Emirates uh, some years ago. Uh, it seems to have, as a result, pulled out of uh, the UAE, out of Saudi Arabia and uh, other Arab countries that I think some would argue are beginning to sign sh so show signs of some political reform. Uh, the, 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 the options for Islamic relief are, are diminishing. Uh, the, the, the number of friends is, is reducing. Uh, the question is, and this is the pivotal question, is will the American government ever realize how dangerous this charity is? Uh, I think many expect, expected a Trump administration to be tough on domestic Islamism. Uh, it hasn't been at all. Uh, funding to Islamist groups, in fact, has increased under Trump. It's much more than it was under Obama. Uh, and let me just repeat that. Radical groups get more under Trump uh, from the federal government than they did under Obama. Um, Islamic Relief officials, as I've mentioned, have found a, a, a welcome home in various federal agencies. Uh, just the other day, I, I saw that uh, FEMA, the Federal uh, Emergency Management Agency, put up a video praising Islamic Relief, profiling their work. So. The American government is lagging behind the slow realization in Europe that they've been doing the wrong thing by working with this enormous international charity. Um, the Middle East Forum is trying to change that through Congress, through the administration, through the media. We're working to raise awareness of how just how dangerous this charity is, how extreme it is, how pervasive its connections to terror uh, uh, have been for decades. Um, you can help with that. You know, you can write to your congressman. You can uh, you can find out if your local city, your local state, is funding Islamic Relief. I, I, I almost bet it is. States all across the the country are. Uh, you can get your local journalist to investigate local Islamic Relief events and the kind of clerics they're working with. Help us. This is a uh, a huge organization, and uh, uh, it's an extremely serious issue. And we need all the help we can get to draw attention to quite how dangerous this organization is. Now, there's a ton more I can say about Islamic Relief. I tried to give a sort of a pretty extensive summary uh, that I'll leave sort of any specifics for the questions. Uh, I think I'll just uh, 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 leave by reiterating this point. Islamic Relief does not directly fund terrorism that we know about. It indirectly funds it. It subsidizes terrorism by funding extremist groups that act as support organizations for terrorist organizations. Now, there's a couple of degrees of separation there. But as mentioned before, Islamist terrorist organizations, Islamist groups in general, have always used charity to advance their interests. There is legal precedent for recognizing that they do this. Eleanor Kagan, uh, when she was a government prosecutor, famously said, when you help Hezbollah build homes, you're helping Hezbollah build bombs. Well, the same is true of Hamas, the same is true of every terror group around the world. Islamic Relief helps Hamas build homes. Um, 
this is the truth, this is the understanding we need to explain to lawmakers, we need to explain to prosecutors, we need to explain to the media, to civil society, to interfaith groups, to charities, to every aspect, every facet of the polity. Um, we need your help to do that. Um, there's a lot to do, for sure. I recommend you go to the Middle East Forum website and read our report, Islamic Relief, Charity, Extremism and Terror. That goes into a huge amount of detail. Um, and I'm, of course, happy to answer any specifics in the questions now. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. That was quite a lot of information in a short amount of time. Uh, the first question in it is, uh, you were discussing all these different countries and how they are doing their own inf investigations. Uh, you mentioned Israel and the UAE have already banned Islamic relief. Why do all these countries need their own investigations? Well, Islamic relief operates differently in every country it is. It's very malleable. It works to adapt to the laws, to the rules, to the principles and media standards of, of every country it operates in. Um, currently, it's actually suing the Israeli government. I just announced this a few weeks ago. It's suing the Israeli government uh, to oppose its designation in Israel. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But it's banned or investigated in different countries for different reasons. The Israelis obviously banned it because it alleged it was funding Hamas. The United Arab Emirates, since 2013, has regarded the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization and so banned it for that reason. The Egyptian government banned it because it was involved with a member of the deposed cabinet of Mohammed Morsi. Investigations in Europe, some are looking into it because of hate speech against various minorities. The uh, Germans are currently investigating Islamic release financial activities. They've noticed certain discrepancies between uh, the amount, well, actually, this is alleged, so I, I shouldn't say this is a fact, but it's alleged that the German government has noticed certain discrepancies between the amount that Islamic Relief Germany reports raising and the amount that other branches report Islamic Relief Germany raising. There's, so there's a, suspicious, a possible suspicion, uh, allegation that some form of money laundering is going on there. So all around the world, Islamic Relief is doing things in different ways. In Western countries, especially where we don't have the legal infrastructure, the legal precedents, to prosecute charities for funding proxies for terrorist groups, you know, if they're not funding designated groups, but merely proxies or merely groups that are alleged to be proxies, then it could, then obviously terror finance may not be the way to go, in which case is sort of an Al Capone approach of going after Islamic release for its other crimes under hate speech laws in European countries under, uh, uh, in the US for, well, for, for an alcohol style attack for any sort of uh, uh, crime that Isla Islamic Relief may have committed, or at the very least, violations of its IRS responsibilities as a 501c3. In every country, there are different ways to go after Islamic Relief. In every country, Islamic Relief operates differently. That's why different approaches are required. Islamic Relief adapts to every country it's in. So in our fight against Islamic Relief, so should we. Thank you. Uh, how is Islamic Relief using the current COVID-19 situation to advance Islamism? Yeah, that's a good question. So, and this is not just limited to Islamic Relief. This is something that uh, a lot of Islamist charities are doing. As soon as there's a, Islamist groups are very good at exploiting a crisis in the West. And given how important charity is to Islamism, charity can step up. So what better way to defer any government investigation or media criticism or, or general criticism of your activities than by being a great benevolent voice or actor during a time of crisis. And so Islamic Relief, along with other Islamist charities, have been at the forefront of setting up coronavirus 
uh, campaigns and distributing medicines and food and masks and, and so on, uh, they are exploiting this, this crisis because they know this is the best way to accrue legitimacy, credibility. Um, again, they're very good at what they do. Uh, what would happen if another U.S. administration is voted in? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? What would happen if, uh, say, Biden was elected? Oh, elected, sure. Um, well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because as I said, many would have expected a Trump administration to be tough on domestic extremism. It hasn't been. Um, Islamic Relief hasn't received as much money under Trump as it did under the Obama administration, uh, but it has continued to meet with officials. I think the main lesson you can draw, or the main thing you can anticipate from a, a Biden administration is that nothing would change when it comes to Islamic relief. It is already embedded in the federal government. It is already receiving money from the federal government. It is already meeting with administration officials and uh, uh, cabinet members as well. Um, I think that would continue. Maybe the money would increase. Maybe more federal monies would be given out. My worry is that if there is an active federal investigation by some law enforcement agency in the United States. My worry would be that under a Biden administration, that might be shut down. Under the Obama administration, a considerable number of counter-terror investigations were simply stopped, uh, including, uh, uh, including investigations that were focusing on Islamist charities. So possibly a Biden administration would do that. I'm saying this based on the fact that the Biden campaign has been willing to associate with Islamists tied to the same networks Islamic Relief is involved with. Um, this is another topic, but by one of Biden's uh, uh, campaign advisors and sort of his voice on Muslim community matters uh, is uh, a member of a group called Engage, Engage, which is a pol Islamist political lobby group. It's officials that are tied to Islamic Relief and to other similar Islamist groups. I'm not optimistic that a Biden administration would do the right thing, but we're certainly going to explain to them and try and convince them to do so. Understood. So it would appear that as soon as one publicly speaks out against Islamic Relief or its members, they sue. So what tactics can be taken to defend someone? So um, the wonderful thing about the United States, of course, is that you have the most reasonable libel laws in the world uh, <laughs> compared to, say, Britain, uh, where uh, any defamation suit very much fa uh, 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 favors the plaintiff. Uh, so in the US, I think we can be aggressive. The huge problem in the US is the pusillanimous media, which don't want to investigate. And by the way, of course, I'm mostly talking about mainstream media and the New York Times to CNN, but also the right as well, which uh, some elements of, of right wing media, which have also been weak on this question, that are growing increasingly disinterested in Islamism, despite its you know, enormous continued relevance to the, the safety and security of, of the United States. So the media is terrible at investigating this stuff. Uh, and I, sorry, it's not a terrible, it, it won't, it refuses, it almost always has. Uh, it's very interesting. I mentioned, I started my talk by pointing out that the Times of London, this is Britain's paper of record. This is our New York Times, this is our Wall Street Journal, this is our main paper. The Times of its own accord investigated anti-Semitism, the head of the, the, the world's biggest Islamic charity. Can you imagine the New York Times doing that? Can you? They won't, they simply won't. Not just because they generally steer clear of investigative journalism unless it relates to Trump, but also because you know this is a topic that is politically unpalatable. And the one, I would say, the one slightly more impressive thing about European media is that it will investigate news its editorial team don't like. They'll recognize that journalism can 
Trump politics from, from time to time. That seems to be missing from, I, I, I risk this turning into a rant about the media, so I'll stop there. But um, uh, the media is, is key in the US. We can do a, a great deal if we can just convince them, uh, the media, to talk about this, to report this, even if critically just discuss the, the thing. This is a charity that's getting millions of dollars from American taxpayers. There's an obvious right uh, of the taxpayer to know what the hell their money is being spent on. Um, so that's the, 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 I think, the main thing. Um, when it comes uh, to other avenues, getting Congress to cut Islamic relief off from federal funding is key. We're working, uh, we'll be working on that. Getting the administration to stop meeting with Islamic relief. So again, you can write to your congressman, you can write to the administration, you can write to your state governments and your city governments to make sure they're not working with Islamic relief. You can monitor Islamic relief events in your area. They have branches, little local branches all over the country. You can find out what they're doing, see the clerics they're associating with, get your local journalists interested. There's a thousand things we can do. There's a thousand things we're trying to do. Uh, what we need now is grassroots support. What we need now is you. Well, that sounds like a fantastic place to end. Um, can you just tell us a little more about where to find some more information? I know you already mentioned it, but for anyone that came in late. Mm. So if you Google Islamic relief extremism or Islamic relief terror, our report should be one of the first on Google. Otherwise, just go to the Middle East Forum uh, look through at the Islamist Watch project. We have written a ton on Islamic relief, hundreds of articles over the last few years. I recommend reading uh, also uh, anything written by the Investigative Project on Terrorism and by the Clarion Project. They've also covered uh, this subject uh, very impressively. Um, and uh, keep an eye on Islamic relief news in your local newspaper and let me know when you come across it. I know I keep saying that, but I can't stress how much I want your help. All right, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Westhoff, for speaking with us today. Thank you. For our viewers, please be on the lookout for our forthcoming weekly webinar offerings invitation coming out this weekend. Thank you all again for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.